listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship par 72 plus another nine-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. When I drive down the street, the people all gather around. They gaze in wide wonder at the car I have found. 200 horsepower, no time for crows. Okay, listeners, you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and we are live in Clearwater. We're back from Detroit, so... Had a great time. I got my friend Chris sitting in with me. How are you doing, Chris? All right, Robert. How are you doing? Pretty good. Hey, Cedric, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you doing? We got our engineer here. Cedric is hanging out with us today. And, uh, you know, hey, Chris, you know, well, Chris, Cedric, everybody, Bobby, you're here. He's in the hot background here. But anyway, um, that was uh, an amazing trip out there. You know, if you ever wanted to do anything associated with cars, there's two places on the planet you want to be. One is California, Southern Cal. The other one probably is Detroit. Absolutely. Because everything... I mean, it is so rich with automotive history and uh, and and um, just automotive stuff. If you're a car guy, I don't care if it's engineering, I don't care if it's designing, I don't care if it's hot riding, I don't care if it's just uh, hunting junk cars. I mean, Detroit is that's a huge, huge area. Hey. Now what? This is not a call-in show. Who's this guy think he is? The president or something? I'm tired of screwing this thing up. What? You kidding me? <laughs> you know, if there's a job to do, you got to do it yourself. Yeah, right. Uh, this is kind of cool, Robert. Sure, right on. Dig it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the reason I am interrupting uh, Robert is not because he's not doing a good job. He's doing an unbelievable job. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Uh, but it's because I just got off the telephone with... Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard. What we're talking about is common sense reform. If you like your doctor, you're going to be able to keep your doctor. And that's the truth. Okay. Well, I just don't... I think that's very rude of that guy to just kind of butt in on us, don't you? Absolutely. That wasn't called for at all. What do you think, Cedric? I don't know, man. You, you have some pretty high-profile guests coming through this show these days. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. Anyway. Hey, Chris, why don't you tell us about your auctions? Well, until I get a straight face here. All right, Robert. Uh, I'll try and do that while you're trying to contain yourself. Well, of course, our auction is coming this October 14th and 15th to the Florida State Fairgrounds right here in beautiful Tampa, Florida. We're going to have about two or or three hundred of the most wonderful classic collector and exotic cars that the state of Florida and the country has to offer. And uh, anybody out there that likes to come, come and see what we're doing or go to the web 
www.crowncollectorcars.com or call me at 855-552-7696 and we'll tell you all about it. Hey, what are some of the cool cars you've been running into here recently? Tell us about some of the really well, neat listings. Or... Well, you were having fun in Detroit. I was back <laughs> here working very hard and uh, just today we consigned a 64 Ford Galaxy. You'd appreciate this being a real Ford guy. Yep. It is a convertible and it has the original P-Code 390, 330 horsepower Solid lifter engine that, with the original factory headers. Pico, that's police interceptor engine. Yeah, police interceptor. That is correct. Really? Yeah. Is this a hardtop or convertible? No, this is a convertible. It's one of just a couple of hundred that were made. Wow, that's a rare option. It really P-code. is. P-code. That's, that's a 330 correct. horse, 390. Yes. Solid lifter motor. I'd love to show it to the audience and you here, but you'll also get to see it later, and everybody that comes to the auction will be able to see it and possibly own it if they come and bid. Well, absolutely. What else did you find? What about the 61 Oldsmobile or Buick you were looking at today? What about that? Uh, uh, I Is that a pretty nice a car? 61 Buick uh, LeSabre convertible, really nice, sweet car, white, white, with white and red interior. Uh, and a, a really nice piece that, that uh, I hope is going to come to the auction. What's what's the most unusual car you found so far that's going to get consigned? Well, we have a 24 Dodge Brothers uh, really? Roadster that's just impeccable, and it's restored to Concord condition. And uh, that's going to be a wonderful car there. Also, you, you'd appreciate this, even though it's not a Ford, it's a Buick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 1958 Buick Electra Limited, original owner, 50,000-mile car. It's a convertible. One year only car, uh, Mr. Earl. Uh, Earl, Earl design. Earl design. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was too expensive for Buick to keep making it. They made it only one year. They made hardtop in 59, and that was it. Uh, this car is owned by the original owner who bought it at a Buick dealer, and he not only, you know, you expect to find the original owner's manual and the build sheets and the, and the sticker and so on, but he not only has every receipt for everything that was ever done to the car from day one through Buick and then after, mm-hmm. uh, he has every gas receipt from 1958 to present that ever went in that car. I've never seen documentation like this in my life. It is like the best Buick Electra Limited convertible on the planet. 58 or 9 now? 58. 58 was the one that had the really cool quarter panels on it. With really the, That's a beautiful car. I think it has about uh, enough chrome on it to make a Hyundai today. It's <laughs> got the long, pointy fin with all the stainless. That's Correct. a stunning car. It is a stunning piece, and this car is just unbelievable. It, it should sell for somewhere in the neighborhood of one hundred seventy-five. To two hundred thousand dollars. Wow! So That's you're going to have cars that are going to be what ten thousand to ten thousand to half a million dollars. So no kidding. Everybody needs to come and take a look or get on that web www.crowncollectorcars.com. All right. Hey, what do we got uh, queued up on that little uh, little disc you got over there, uh, Cedric? I got, I got a good one. You got a good one? Yeah, here. Robert is doing an unbelievable job. <laughs> well, this guy, he really likes me, doesn't it? You know, I, I'm, I'm proud to, to be sitting in this room with you, Robert. Ah, I wish I could say I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. He liked that. Is that a great comeback or what? Yeah, huh? yeah. yeah. That's, oh, by the way, guys, we might be doing another radio show. Chris might be sitting in part-time. Cedric might be sitting in. Bill might be sitting in, Lee might cool. be sitting in, but we're going to do a kind of a comedy routine, so we can have it kind of fun, just kind of casual. We're definitely going to hit the political scene a little bit, and and everybody, everybody is fair game. So we're just going to make, we're going to play some cool music, joking around, clowning around. The only thing we won't have here, unless they let us do it, is we'll just uh, bring in uh, hmm? that... Uh, some beer <laughs> beer and pizza Remember, one of our sponsors bros pizza you, sh- you know they should uh, furnish us with pizza which i'm sure they will and then we just have to go up to the brewery up the street here and then we'll have like a little beer party here you know that sounds great and that sounds great all right hey let's roll that first song and we'll get back to yak and about cars all right so we're gonna play ramsey lewis and this is sun goddess sun got since we're in florida sun yep. goddess close to the beach listen in stay tuned you nostalgic radio and cars
listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, and nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Okay, you're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We are world famous now, you know that, because we are listening by we are listened to by people in Europe. Because I've been pitching the pitching the show over there. Anyway, hey, back to cars. You're talking about that red Ford, that rare Ford. Yes. When I was up in Detroit at the uh, car show they had Sunday, which was at World Headquarters, it was put on by the Michigan Car Show, but the or Michigan Ford Group, but it was also a, a Boss Mustang reunion, and they meet every year. So there was tons of Boss 302s, tons of Boss 429s. And tons of Boss 351s. And we had a meeting. We had one get-together at the Ford plant. We got to tour the Ford Flat Rock plant. So we got to watch Mustangs as well as Shelby's and Boss 302s. And the boss is back, by the way, for all you guys. Look out, Chevrolet. Uh, you're, 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 you're behind on the Z28, so the boss is out. anyway any rate, the, uh, <laughs> and the TA Challengers, it's not out either. So Ford's going to rule. But at any rate, um, at the Flat Rock uh, plant, that we were kind of like hanging out there, and it was, there was probably, I'd say, 150, 200 bosses that showed up. It was an amazing uh, turnout of cars, between predominantly Boss 302s, because they made 7,100 of those, and they made uh, about 1,000 Boss 429s between 69 and 70, and then they made 15, 1,800, I think, 18, 1,800 Boss 351s. So there was about seven or eight Boss 351s that showed up, probably about uh, 15 Boss 9s, which was kind of unusual, and the rest of them were all 302s. And uh, But we got to tour the Ford plant, the, the Mustang plant, which was actually interesting. Um, last week when I was in Detroit, I mentioned to everybody that I had toured this one company called Experimental. Experimental. And they're the ones that reproduced the 55, 56 Chevrolet bodies as well as the panels for 55, 6, and 7 Chevrolets. But they also make a lot of other stuff. They outsource and they do special promotional stuff or pro, uh, low production stuff for some of the big three. And I'm not at liberty to discuss some of the stuff that was there, but they had some pretty fascinating stuff. But what was interesting about that factory, and I cannot overemphasize this, if you, you need to go to Ford, GM, or Chrysler to Detroit and tour one of the factories if you can. Usually if you're associated with a car club, once a year, if there's a big convention up there, they will allow you to tour the facilities, whether it's Ford, GM, or Chrysler. And you get a, a completely different perspective. When you see what's involved, and I don't care if it's a little knob on your dash or a little emblem on the side of your car, the the amount of effort that goes into from the time that they draw something on a napkin to the time they put it on a computer today, by today's standards, back in the old days, it was all freehand and stencils and abacuses and, and you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, slide rulers or whatever else we had back in those days, before the days of calculators and computers. But nonetheless... There's a lot of effort that goes into that. And then when you see the mold process, the prototype process, okay, this is all pre-production stuff. But at Experimental, we actually got to see this on an accelerated scale, okay, one part that went through the whole process. Now you go to Ford 
Motor Company to the Mustang plant, the assembly plant, and you watch them, and we got to see some of the stamping, okay, some of the welding, some of the paintwork, some of the body shop stuff, then the actual assembly line, assembly work that's done. And you know what? Those guys were all... I, I thought they all had uniforms and stuff. They're wearing shorts, short sleeve shirts. I mean, they got they 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 cut new deals with the with the unions and 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 the and the and the brass hat up at the, the big big house. But basically, the employees, okay, in the factory assembly plant, it's really a kind of a casual scene. I mean, they're all there. You know, the, the cars roll down at I forget how many seconds per per for feet it works. Okay, but it's just they just kind of casually work. work at a, at a normal pace, and one guy, you know, grabs the, the big uh, machines, whatever, they hang a dashboard on it, the dashboard swings around, slides in the car, you got one guy inside of the car, another guy on the side of the car, they're screwing it in, you know, then another guy's walking along the next, you know, 10 feet away, and he's putting in the wiring harness, and so on and so on. So now you get to see the complete assembly of the car to where it actually rolls off and goes into the uh, QC, the quality control department. And... But you, you, even though it, and of course, I come from the salvage yard background. So, you know, I'm looking at the cars and I'm kind of like dragging along behind the rest of the group. And the guy keeps trying to hurry me along. And I said, no, I want to watch how this is done because I'm the guy that's got to take these things apart and fix them. <laughs> you know, you guys just stick them all together in one shot and there's just no, you know, it's no fuss, no must type deal. But when you, when you see it go together as a, as a complete assembly in large sections, okay. You have no idea, you have no appreciation for the amount of effort that went into it. One of the guys that we're going to have on this evening, we're going to have a gentleman that worked for General Motors at the time. This is for all the GM guys out there. And this gentleman worked at Buick, okay? And we're going to talk about the Buick Grand National because that was one of his projects. And the Grand National was a very successful car from 84 to 87. Obviously, the 86, 87 cars were the most popular ones. And then he also did a little, he'll tell us a few things about the Grand National, it's, uh, the GNX, okay? The GNX, yes. the, the, the killer Buick, which, you know, and I actually owned a GNX, or not a GNX, I had a GN in 87 back in the day. And for a 231 Buick with, I don't forget what it had, 300 some odd horsepower, and that's sad to say, but I beat them 5.0 Mustangs pretty bad a lot of times. Well, so, that, that car was a real ground pounder. It was. It was fast in its day. At any rate, uh, you got our guest on the line. You can get him called up, and let's go through. Let's roll through a couple of commercials, and, and I'll back off, and we'll let him talk a little bit. Listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. As most of you know, I'm in the car business, and often I need cars towed. Well, Kotaka's Towing has all the trucks and equipment to meet your needs. Whether it's long distance, short distance, or just around the corner, they can get it done. Kotaka's Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. Also, they have a full-service repair and body shop to meet all your automotive needs. So give my friends Lefty and Joey a call at Kotaka's Towing at 727-447-1952. And be sure to mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you might get a discount. Okay, we're live. This is uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Anyway, to sum it up real quick before we introduce our guest, the one thing I will tell you is you really have a new, you have a completely different perspective and a new respect on how cars are put together. So, you know, it's just amazing the amount of effort that goes into from a piece of paper to the finished product, you know. So, anyway, 
Uh, I'd like to introduce our guest. Our next guest is coming on this evening. Uh, I just met him at the uh, concourse, at uh, which used to be the Meadowbrook Concourse in Detroit, which they moved to the St. John's Inn, a spectacular concourse. If you ever get a chance, you need to check those out. If you go to the one here in Florida at Amelia Island in the spring, that's a great show. But this gentleman worked for General Motors for 20-some-odd years. He is a graduate of the Art Center College of Design, which is where some of the best designers uh, come from. And uh, he's got his own company now, and it's called the uh, Advanced Automotive Technologies Group, or Advanced Automotive Technologies, and he's done some pretty spectacular cars. But I'm going to go ahead and welcome our guest this evening. His name's Steve Pastoner. Steve, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, Robert. How are you? How are you doing? Good night, Gates. <laughs> uh, yeah, good night. <laughs> um, but, hey, well, for the guests, for the Zuhörer, we will English reden, and because they sonst kein Deutsch verstehen. That's the Swiss under us, right? Für mich, das ist auch einfacher. <laughs> yeah, okay. At any rate, um, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Steve Pastoner? Oh, God. Well, go way back, uh, farther back than I'd like to remember. But actually, I was born in Budapest, in Budapest, Hungary. And um, I, not too many of your listeners probably remember the uh, revolt in Hungary back in 56. But as a kid, I kind of got in trouble with the Russians. And uh, I don't want to go into that, but... I crossed into Austria uh, uh, kind of illegally or, you know, as, as one of the refugees. And then I had, uh, well, a lovely couple who were actually my relatives, and, and uh, he was a professor in Cincinnati, and they took me in and uh, adopted me as, as their son, which, you know, might have they might have had second thoughts about it back then. But, you know, anyway, um, I finished high school in Cincinnati, and then from there I I joined the army i was uh, in the 101st airborne i was one of the paratroops and uh, then i went out to california to study car design but that's basically that's that's all in a nutshell that's all in a nutshell okay now to get into the art college center design uh or the art center college of design that's an extremely difficult school to get into now we've had a couple of guests that have been on there i mean pete brock's been on there are on a show. He was there. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's, he's a good friend. And uh, so you were there. Were you, were you there with? Uh, um, was there was there anybody there notably? Well, Pete was there actually. I uh, he was he was showing one of his actually his Cobra Daytona sketches to uh, McMinn, and I kind of I happened to be walking by. McMinn was was really the godfather of all design type people there. You know, and he, he knew all cars, and everybody respected him. And. Pete was showing him the uh, Cobra Daytona sketches, and I kind of peeked over their shoulder, and Pete kind of looked at me like, uh, hey, kid, you know, get away from here. <laughs> but then, uh, you know, through the years, uh, you know, he, he judges at Meadowbrook, at, um, at uh, Amelia Island as well, you know, for many years I've known him, and he's a great friend, just a, just a really a very, very talented guy, you know. Now then, you when you left the art center, you went to. Did you get uh, basically recruited by General Motors? Is that how that worked? You know, uh, I got an offer from Ford and from GM, and and um, I guess uh, you know GM with Bill Mitchell and and really the cool cars that just came out. This was back in '66, you know, and the Tornado and the Riviera just came out. The split when well, you know, the, the fastback Corvettes, and and uh, obviously there were some of the show cars that were just so great that, that GM was doing at the time, you know. The, Monza GTs and, and uh, the Mako Sharks and the Manta Ray and all those cars. And so you just had to go to GM at that time. From your perspective back in those days, um, and you can be perfectly honest about this, did, did, did GM have a much, it sounds like GM had a much better design or they were more into, I'd say more progressive in terms of their design um, in cars, as opposed to Ford or Chrysler, would that be a fair statement? Well, at the at the time, it was. In fact, it's funny you mentioned because a real good friend of mine. I just saw him like twenty minutes ago. I was over at the Chrysler um, Museum. They have a every Wednesday. They have a car show, so I just ran into him, uh, Buck Mook, Howard Mook, and and uh, you know he and I graduated about the same time, and and uh, you know we remained friends through all these years. And he said, he said, you know. I really like working at Ford. What I really hate is is that all our hallways are full of GM cars for comparison. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that that pretty much told you uh, where GM stood at the time. I mean, you know, really there were some some very uh, uh, very nice uh, cars. And uh, wait, I, if if I made the alarm company is calling me here, I'm trying to. 
We lost our guest. Okay, well, since until we're we... Here. Yeah, we're here. You back? back? Okay. Yeah, the alarm company just called me, too. Somebody's breaking in the building? They always tell me to go home about 7.30. Oh, okay. Yeah, no no problem. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, so that that's what, uh, you know, that's what... Uh, I, so it was just great, you know. Get, get in just one second, okay, please, sure. if, if I may. Go ahead. This well, is a live well, show. This is a live show, yeah, anything's possible, so we can talk about stuff. Anyway, let's see, what should I talk about in the meantime? Oh, going back to Detroit. Are you back at the Ford thing? Okay. All right, back. you back there? All right, All right Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Just had to tell them my code, and then they leave me alone. Then they leave you alone. They always call me and say, Steve, not go on home to your wife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, okay. All anyway, right. so what What were some of the projects that you worked on? I mean, what was some of the early stuff that you did, and what are some of the most notable stuff, you know, the juicy well, stuff? you know, I mean, you were. I, I was put into the Buick studio, which, which was a real privilege because uh, Buick provided the designers with, with essentially free cars, uh, you know, and, and so here I am straight out of, straight out of college, you know, and now I am driving a Buick Electra 225, you know, on, on the company's dime. I thought that was just about it. <laughs> you know, I would have worked there for free, you know, so it was, it was good, you know, I mean, we worked on the ribs and, and uh, you know, the, the GS, the later, the 70 GS and GSX, uh, you know, I uh, was involved with doing that. And, oh, the Buick know, Skylark GS? Um, yes. You know, oh, really? it was the seventy, the the cool one, not not the one with the with the boat uh, thing on the side, but uh, okay. And um, you know, the, the one and, and the GSX, the yellow uh, with the black stripe. Mm-hmm. And then now, how, tell us a little bit how that car come into concept, and what exactly did you have to do, and how? how in other words, well, okay. First of all, you know, you have to remember that these cars, you know, the muscle cars are kind of put on on a higher pedestal than what they are, but they are basically. You know, uh, uh, the same type of grandma's car in design as as uh, you know any other Skylark, just that they had the big four fifty five engine and and of course all the torque of an Otis elevator. You know, <laughs> um, you know. So we had to put scoops on it and and spoilers and bigger wheels and tires and and so on. You know, and and uh, that was always fun and and sometimes you know. Um, it's they give it to the young kid, you know. They give it to the kid. They say, "Well, here, maybe I don't want to do stripes on a car. Give it to so and so. Give it to Pastiner." So then, you know, then I got to do those things, and and I loved it, you know, and do the spoilers. And uh, another fellow, Don Wood, did the uh, they had pretty cool uh, intake scoops also on it, you know. And um, I got to do the front end on it, and and a lot of the side, and then of course. The stripes on the car, you know, and, and that was that was kind of fun. You know. Now, how many times did you have to come up with a design and then submit it, and then either the design got approved or it got rejected, or they say changed it? How from the start, from we the time? We do that all day long. That's that, you know. So, uh, contrary to the thought of okay, here's the design and I'm I'm presenting it. It's like you do sketches day in and day out and hang it on the wall and hope somebody salutes it. You know, and and. Uh, Mitchell would come through, and, and there, there was one occasion, I, I never forget it, you know, I, I did, it was a front end for a, um, it was for uh, a Buick Regal, and um, it was a white car on white background, and, you know, it had to be really subtle and really, you know, just just so, and, and Mitchell came in, and he looked at it, and, and uh, he didn't say anything, and he walked out, and I thought, Jesus, I'm losing my job now, you know. And then he shows up with about five other designers, and he said, this is the quality I expect from you guys. And I thought, man, you know, I, I, uh, that made my day, obviously. You know? What year Buick Regal was that that you were working on? That had been late 70s. Um, no, it was actually it was like a 73 Regal front. Oh, really? 73 Regal? Yeah. Okay, that's basically a fancy Skylark, it right? Was, right. You know, so it was sort of the semi-fastback, but uh, it was the front end. But then I did a GS that I, I can't I can't even uh, quote him. You know, he he had a, he had a very um, he had the language that you couldn't always uh, use on TV. Quote, you know, and uh, I guess uh, part of it was I, I just did it was a it was a GS, you know, and uh, it was a red car, and the driver was wearing a helmet, and he was wearing goggles, and I had side exhaust just billowing smoke out the side and fat tires and scoops and driving lights and 
everything else, a red car with red flames in the background, you know. And uh, I don't know how to how to say this, but uh, it was kind of like, uh, kid, you don't have to show all of yourself to show that you mess around. How's that? That you're a hot rodder. <laughs> well, you revealed your other personalities. I, I, I can't exactly, you know, you can't show all your private parts just to show that. I got. <laughs> okay, so essentially, that was his comment. <laughs> well, now, how many other guys? Let's say, for example, on the on the seventy Buick GS, for example, on the Skylark. How many people worked on that design project with you? There were altogether three guys, uh, you know, and uh, Donwood was one, and uh, Phil Jacobson was another, and uh, myself, and uh, um, Tony Balthazar. He was the assistant chief, and. Uh, Don Lasky was the chief designer there. So it was kind of like four or five people. Was there a guy by the name of Ed Mertz that worked uh, in Buick? Ed Mertz is a really good friend, actually. No, he, he became uh, well, he's, he's, he came out of Chevy Engineering, and then he became the chief engineer uh, for Chevrolet, and then he became um, the, uh, the general manager of, uh, of Buick. And I correspond with him regularly. And, and, in fact, when he retired, he brought me more... NASCAR type jackets and things and <laughs> here I can't wear and you know Buick open golf jackets and I, I still have some things from his office but he used to have some of my sketches in his office a lot of, a lot of my sketches in his office now when you when you left General Motors could you take a lot of that stuff with you or is that property of General Motors and you have to leave? really it's just kind of memory and and the the funny thing is, you know, like every now and then you'd go and clean out your drawers and, and you call the movers to bring one of those little flat cars. Mm-hmm. And you pile it full of sketches and they go straight into the dumpster, you know. Oh, right. my. You could make a living off of, uh, you know, if, if you had saved some of those sketches, you know, you could make a living off of that. But. All right, fast forward to uh, the early 80s. You worked on the Buick Grand National Project. Tell us a little bit about that and how long it <laughs> took that to t- come to fruition. Well, that started, you know, by by default or whatever, Buick was the more aerodynamic car of, of the three A-body cars, so it became really popular in NASCAR. And um, so as a spin-off to NASCAR, you know, uh, Lloyd Royce, who was eventually the president of GM, you know, and actually we have his big black Corvette right here in the shop, but he's a, he's a good, <laughs> he's a good friend also. But um, anyway, he was the instigator behind uh, the turbo, the intercool turbo, and uh, along with uh, with many of the engineering uh, types, you know. But uh, when it came to the uh, design or styling or putting it together, well, it was from the studio that I was in, and, and given that I loved fast cars, you know, I, I kind of had a hand in it, you know. So that's as far as the styling. And, and uh, interestingly enough, um, this is really a roundabout story. I don't really want to hear that, but... Um, GM had a car, it was an ESO Revolta Fidia four-door sedan that, that belonged to GM Engineering, the Chevy Engineering. And uh, through the years, it ended up in a junkyard that I found it in a junkyard. And at that time, it had uh, somebody put uh, American Vector mags on that car, you know. So when I was working on the Buick Grand National, you know, we needed a, a, an approved wheel. And I said, hey, you know, these Vector mags look pretty cool, so why don't we use those? Well, the Vector mags originally were on the two-rotor Corvette, and uh, American Racing made those wheels, and GM didn't patent the wheels, so American Racing patented the wheels. So when, when General Motors wanted to use that same design, their own design, on the Grand National, they had to pay American Racing uh, rights, you know, for for using their own design. Uh-huh. But the original uh, Grand Nationals had American Vector mags on it, and then later on, um, the less expensive, uh, you know, perforated wide rims ended up on them. How did they? Uh, how did the Grand National, the GNX, how come to? to into existence because you had the Grand National, which was the Buick 231, and then you came out with the GNX, which was the bad boy, and they made what 500 of those cars. Well, they were all kind of bad boys, but yeah, uh, Mike Doble, who was who was in charge of the Buick Performance uh, Group at the time, you know, it was uh, you know the, the rear drive cars were coming off the market because the construction and, and the front front drive cars were mainstream, so these were you know there was a, 
there's a deadline for for 1987, the end of 87, to do a, a build out on uh, the last of the rear drive hot rod high high performance uh, Grand Nationals, and uh, so it was Doble's instigation, and and that was done by ASC American Sunroof, um, and uh, you know the the uh, wheel selection and the little uh, vent on the side and so on, and then. It was tweaked that much more, and I think they they tweaked the ECM on it and the exhaust and uh, some of the suspension. You know, that's where the GNX it, uh, came from. But it was an evolution of, of the uh, Grand National, anyway. Now the uh, the then Chevrolet had the Cyclone and the Typhoon. Was that was mm-hmm. Buick involved in any of the development of no, those two not vehicles? Not at all. That was that was actually uh, done by um, uh, Mike Pocobello at. Uh, Oh come on, Pastine! I'm trying to remember. <laughs> he'll come. He'll come to me in a, in a, a triad services, and they did that. And uh, those were, you know, those were Chevy. Uh, those were Chevy engines, not okay. the Buick Grand National engines, or not the Buick uh, 3.8 engines. But did they share any of the development, or was that no, 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 nothing. No, that's a completely different, uh, different. Uh, was Vince? Was Vince Piggins? Was he involved with Buick at all? Vince was was with Chevrolet uh, only, and and um, um, Herb Fischel, who was the contact with NASCAR and everything else that that had something to do with performance, uh, took uh, Vince Piggins' uh, place. And and Herb and Vince were friends for years, and and Herb was a very is a very talented engineer, very highly thought of, and and you know. Um, I think he takes and deserves credit for the development of the Grand National also, you know. Now, uh, somebody just handed me a note here. I don't know if you can answer this question or not. But, I lie uh, about it. Just let me know. Just like <laughs> Okay. Uh, Mako Sharks. Now, you, Mako Shark 2, did you work on that project at all? No, no. Those were, uh, you know, well, those were uh, certainly uh, um, Corvette Studio projects, you know, and... and those things were before my time, you know. Thank God. Okay. But, How many of those did they actually make? Do you know offhand? I think there's only the one. The know? one? There's one Mako Shark, and then ultimately, well, there was, you know, there's a story in the Mako Shark. I got to tell you that. But okay. Good story. We love stories here. We love there stories. Were, there were several. There were several iterations of the Mako Shark. You know, there's the Mako Shark one and two and so on, but uh, the Mako Shark one. Which uh, was uh, well, obviously Bill Mitchell's baby. I mean, Bill just loved Corvettes more than his kids. I think you know, and and um, you know the the car like a shark had a gradation from dark to light. You know, and in the Bimini, in Bimini, he got a uh, a Mako shark. You know, and he took this thing. He had this, the head stuffed on it, and so on, and and he took it to the paint shop. And said, "I want you guys to match this paint scheme of this shark exactly on my car." So the paint shop tried it, and and uh, uh, now he says, "You guys are not even close. That's not it." So they went at it again, and they did it the second time. You know, ah, that's not it again. Well, for the third time, at night, the night shift went up in his office, got the Mako shark, painted it to match the car. <laughs> And then he said, "Oh yeah, now you guys got it. See, so that's that's the true story. That's the true story. Okay, <laughs> they painted the shark to match the car. Yeah, very interesting. What are some of the other unusual? Uh, oh yeah, I got the note slipped back to me again. Wow, what motor was in the in the Mako Shark? Was it a four twenty seven or what was it? It probably was a four twenty seven. And and uh, you know, knowing Winchell and those people at Chevy Engineering and so on, they they probably Tweaked the heck out of that engine. Duntoff probably had had uh, various, you know, uh, cams and carburations and so on. And, and um, there is one of the fellows that we're going to be working on his race car. Um, he was he was the right hand man for for Duntoff, and he could tell you more about it, you know. But uh, his name is Gib Hofstetter, and he. He's in his seventies and he still races a '68 Corvette and he drives it fast. You know, he says I'm seesawing the wheel, but that's just—it looks like I'm trying to stay on the road, but I'm just trying to stay in front of the rear wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I remember that one. 
But actually, I met Gibb. I met him at the uh, Waterford uh, Hills uh, racetrack. Yeah, that was, that was the guy. That's mm-hmm. the guy. Well, we're going to be working with because he's going to Lime Rock with the car and he's changing the rear end in it. And and so he's he was here yesterday and we're going to be pulling. Uh, yeah, we're going to pull that rear end out of it and then, and put a. I think he's looking at three thirty five and uh, something to you know. Well, now, you can tell him that you were on the show, so you can tell him it's safe to come on the show, because uh, I've been trying to get him on. He's, he's great, yeah. He was he was at Amelia Island. He was on, on uh, one of the... Uh, panels. The panels. Mm-hmm. Amelia Island. Yeah, very nice, low-key guy, you know, and, and you get him going. and I mean, he was really the right-hand man for Duntoff, so he's, he's the direct connection. You shake his hands, you shook the hand, they shook the hand. Wow. Wow. Okay, now what about, uh, tell us a little bit about Advanced Automotive Technologies, your company. Tell us about that, and then that really cool hot rod you had at the AutoZone. Oh, that one. Oh, um, well, uh, I left GM in, in uh, ooh, what was it, 89, you know, to start this thing. And, and uh, what we do is we do both design work and some prototype work and, and some concepts and so on. And... Um, uh, in 2000, GM came to us, Buick came to us, and says, well, do us a car that kind of uh, represents all the, uh, you know, most of what ma- the characteristics of what made a Buick a Buick, you know. So we did the uh, Buick Blackhawk, and I don't know if you're familiar with that, but but it uh, it was kind of an amalgam of, of what made Buick great through the years with the vertical grills and uh, 455 engine. We had a Riviera interior in it and a retractable hardtop, and and uh, so that was in GM's collection. And then actually, it was just sold at Bear Jackson a couple years ago for some fairly decent money. You know, like a half a million dollars, if I remember correctly. Well, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. Now the the car, the uh, Blackhawks, was was based on a real what late 30s um, well, Cadillac at LaSalle, wasn't it? No, it, it, that was that was a late thirties uh, Buick. Oh, Buick, like okay. Thirty nine Buick, a forty Buick. So it had um, it had a lot of the elements of of that era because that was kind of the heyday of, of um, both styling and, and Harley Earl, you know. So that kind of set the footprint for Buick through the years, um, you know. And, and uh, that was when Buick was actually nipping at the heels of Cadillac for prestige, you know. So. It, we tried to capture that, you know, and that was a that was a very successful car. And then this car, um, which by the way is for sale, uh, is uh, a follow-up on that, but it's a two-seater and and it has the Cadillac CTS-V engine, it's the 560 horsepower um, Cadillac uh, engine that's in the CTS-V, and it has the six-speed and uh, Dana 44 independent suspension all the way around, retractable hardtop and digital gauges and full custom interior and you know so it's it's a better car than the than the blackhawk was in the sense that it's only a two-seater so the proportions are better and then given that it's a LaSalle it's it's what Harley Earl's really soulmate was you know it was the LaSalle that made Harley Earl um, famous you know the 27 LaSalle that he came up with and and ultimately became the, the head of GM uh, you know, styling. So that's so. In a sense, it's a, it's a more legitimate car as a corporation because it's it's a LaSalle. And now, did you now when I was up in Detroit this past Saturday, you had that there at uh, which is a little company you also started, which your son runs for you. It's called AutoZone. Tell us a little bit about AutoZone. Well, and we we actually had the name before AutoZone. The the chain had it, but we just registered it locally, and and uh, it's. Uh, it's kind of a selfish endeavor. Uh, it's just it sells all the stuff that that I like about cars. You know, the models and the videos and the books and the magazines and the clothing and and you know just the, and the people who show up. You know, I mean that it, it's just great to have have you know literally not customers but friends there. You know, and and uh, as you've seen, the car show is just kind of blossomed into something really, really cool between 8 and 11, and then it just, everybody went home after that. But it was, it's, you know, you see many of the same people, and, and many of these guys are collectors, so they're bringing some of the coolest cars around. You know? Well, and then a lot of the people there were ex-Ford, uh, GM, and Chrysler employees, so, you know, you had everything from Aston Martins, Porsches, Jaguars. As a matter of fact, there was a Cobra up there that 
uh, that I knew belonged to somebody in Florida. Um, you had Porsches, you had Cadillacs, you had Lincolns, you had Mustangs, you had everything. So what it is basically is kind of like what we have every third Saturday of the month. We have coffee and cars at uh, DuPont Registry, which starts in the morning, and now you have that every Saturday, and yours is from 8 to 11. So that was a spectacular show. It's great um, because of just the camaraderie, the, 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 the variation in cars, and the fact that your store is right there, and you sell all that stuff, the, the books, the toy cars, the models. The, part of it also. You know, yeah. and, and what's funny is is you may have, I mean, we've had a, this Bugatti Veyron that, that pulled in, and, and, and it was parked next to a Chevette with a V6 supercharged. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the guys were, you know, I mean, totally at, at, ease, at ease with each other, just talking about cars, you know, it wasn't like... Uh, well, I've got this car that's worth so much. You know, it's it's it's. Uh, you wouldn't even know who owns which car. You know, not by the way people dress. You know, so it's just uh, it's it's really a, a if you want down to earth kind of a, an atmosphere and just a friendly atmosphere and for car guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's, now the LaSalle is is that car going to go into production? Or are you going to build more than one, or is that just the only one you're going to build? Was that just a prototype yeah. exercise? Actually. What you know? What I'd really like to do, and and uh, you know, we also build the retro Corvettes. You know, right? Represents the fifty threes. Um, but what I'd really like, one day I was going to come into work, and the birds were singing, and I said, God, I'd love to sit out in the deck here and, and have another cup of coffee. And I said, Yeah, but I, so and so is supposed to be calling me, and I have to answer this. And so I didn't do it. And and I said, Listen, uh, you better start doing that. You know, so. I'm going to dial it back to just design work, which I really like, and I, I do design work on the computer, on, on the tube, and, and I have a little machine that makes the part in 3D and so on, and, and uh, I think that's that's my next, next my next goal in life, to start kind of, uh, you know, dial it back to where I can manage it, not, not be, you know, at red line, running at red line all day long, you know, <laughs> seven days, six days. Now, they can go to your website, which is Advanced Automotive Technologies, right? And they can see some of your artwork, some of your design work, some of the stuff yeah, that you've done in the past. Actually, yeah, it's aatcars.com, you know, and that, uh, you know, but we've stopped building. We're building the last of the uh, of the retro Corvettes, and I, I really don't want to build any more cars. I, I, you know, I haven't had my fill of it, but I, I figure, you know, I, I need to focus on myself. You know, so. Gotcha. Now, tell us a little bit about Ion Design. Uh, Ion Design. That's another um, huge show that's up there in Detroit. And what all that involves, what, the League of Retired Designers? Or what's the whole premise well, behind well, that? that? That's, again, another thing. But, no, Ion Design is, is a show that, that was uh, started by the Detroit Institute of, of Ophthalmology. And, and oh, okay. in, uh, it's in Gross Point, and it's at the Ford Estate, you know, at the Edsel and Eleanor Ford House. It's a beautiful venue. And. What is different from your normal concours d'elegance is that, you know, for instance, because design involves uh, microcars, you know, because it's, it's a, you know, to design a microcar is, is really a much uh, heavier assignment than doing a Corvette because it, it has to be small, it has to be cheap, it has to be unique, it has to be easy to produce and, and still attractive, etc., so, you know, things like that. We had tractors, we had military vehicles, we had um, um, fire uh, equipment, you know, and, and all of those things are design-oriented that, that would be out of place in a Concours d'Elegance, but it certainly makes sense in a design-oriented show. And my job there is actually to stand there <laughs> impromptu as the cars roll up to say something intelligent about each car and, and how it relates to the past and the future and the present and, and what it influenced as it came about and uh, who designed it and so on. So that, that's been my job for 23 years there, I guess. So the premise is just basically anything and everything that's mechanically that may or may not be automotive-related in terms of design would show up there? Is that right. Well, for instance, you know, years ago we had hot rods there, and, and certainly... It wouldn't have fit into a Pebble Beach's venue, but then Pebble Beach picked up on it, and they had hot rods and motorcycles and so on. But but uh, that show, or said we were the first ones with that, you know, because it was, you know, it was a design free for all. And and what was really uh, interesting about that is is 
at uh, the eyes. We had a, a Duesenberg rolled up, and I everybody likes Duesenbergs, right? I mean, it's a cool car, and it's beautiful, it's expensive, it's a doozy, right? Mm-hmm. And right behind it, up rolled a little Isetta, okay? <laughs> and, and the guy opens the front door on it and gets out the front door. And literally, he got a standing ovation, you know? I mean, suddenly, you know, and, and then you explain it to the people that, well, because you can, the car is so short that you can park it against the curb, you open the door and you get out on the sidewalk, you know, and it makes sense, you know. But but for somebody to come up with the idea initially was a pretty creative um, concept. So in a sense, from 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 a design point of view, perhaps an Isetta is equal to a Duesenberg uh, because it it is a unique and an original idea. So does the eyes on design? Does it basically have a theme every year? You know, as far as uh... generally, you know, and and uh, it has been, for instance, uh, advertising art, and then what we'd have is is uh, the original ad, um, the AFMVK ads. If you remember, those beautiful uh, renderings by Fitzpatrick and Ben Kaufman on um, the uh, uh, Pontiac uh, ads in in the '60s, they were just gorgeous. And you know, you'd have these ads parked next to the appropriate car, for instance, that would be one of them. And then we had uh, one circle where um, if you if you look at a Model T or a Model A or, or even a 32 Ford and, and progress up to, say, a 41 Ford, the amount of progress between a, a um, you know, a, a 32 Ford to a to a 40 Ford in the eight years is it's incredible. You know the freestanding headlights and the clamshell fenders versus the the headlights and the fenders and all the integrated surfaces and the soft shapes in the 40 Ford versus the uh, you know 32. I mean to imagine that that in in nine years you could make that much progress in evolution in car design is amazing. So we'd have those cars. You know you'd have a 32, three, four, five, all the way up to a 40. As you walk around, you can see these incremental changes in how you arrive at that. Okay, well, it sounds good. Um, I'm not sure whether I'm going to be able to make it to Woodward or not, but I'm, I'm yeah, trying to... got to make it. Okay, but anyway, I do, I, we're, we're just about out of time. I think we've got something like 25 okay. seconds left. But anyway, uh, Steve, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I'm sure you'll come on again sometime if I can get Robert, you on, right? It's been great to talk with you, and it's nice to meet you. I'm so glad that we got to talk again. Okay, well, I'll definitely hook up with you next time I get to Detroit. And meanwhile, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Everybody have a great week. Stay safe. Drive carefully. Chris, thanks for showing up. Alan popped in for a few seconds. Cedric, thanks for doing your thing over there. Yep. And, uh, hey, everybody, right, uh, we'll see you next week. And uh, you never know. I might be in Detroit in two weeks again. We'll do another live show. Yeah. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa, St. Petersburg, WDCF, Dade City, Zephyr Hills, and Wesley Chapel, and KLRG, Sheridan, Little Rock, Arkansas.